Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. My name is Harriet Blevins, and I'm so happy you're here today. As always, I want to thank you for your time. I know there are a million other things you could be doing, so I I appreciate your willingness to join me today. I always want our time together to feel like we are in mid-conversation with one another. We have all been hearing a lot about transitions, changes, and new eras lately. You can almost feel it in the atmosphere. Everywhere we go, it seems that change is in the air. In the spring of 2022, we talked about this at Sisterhood, so I want to revisit some of that teaching in this next few episodes of the podcast. I hope you find it insightful and encouraging to your own life and your own walk with God. How many of you would say that you are currently in a type of transition yourself? It may be relationships, geographic location, or moving. It could be in the area of your career. You could be learning a new hobby. You could be having a transition in your family, in your marriage, a divorce, a death, a health situation, or maybe you're becoming empty nesters for the first time. Transition happens all the time, all around us, and sometimes we aren't even aware of what's happening to be able to process and deal with it in a healthy manner. But transitions are a part of life. Every change in your life and my life will require a transition to go along with it. That's a lot of transition when you consider the amount of change that takes place in the human life. Change is a decision. Transition is most often messy and emotional. Um, When we used this, um, when we did this series in Sisterhood, I used a butterfly as our logo. I think that's very fitting for this topic. Many of us learned about the life cycle of a caterpillar when we were in school in science class and how the caterpillar turns into a beautiful butterfly when we were in elementary school or maybe middle school. It's a scientific process called metamorphosis. We will talk about that fascinating process a little bit each week as we journey through the transition phases. I want to break down the word for you today so you can be thinking about this process each week. Metamorphosis is a Latin word. It's made up of two words, meta and morpha. Meta means change and morpha means shape, to change shape. It literally means a change of form from one thing into another thing by natural or supernatural means. The process of going from immature to mature. In the life of a butterfly, there are four stages, the egg, the larva, the pupa, and the adult. Now, how many of you would agree that once the butterfly has formed, it wouldn't choose to go back through the process of becoming an egg again? And that's usually how it is with transition. Hard, but ultimately good. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. 
I love the spring season because it marks new beginnings in nature, in the physical world, all around us and what we see. The brown grass gives way to fresh green grass. The flowers begin to bloom and the new leaves begin to form. The air even feels fresh and clean, not heavy yet with the humidity that we often have here in southeastern North Carolina. What if as the spring arise, arrives, we refuse to stop wearing big heavy sweaters and coats? That would seem ridiculous. But many times when a season has ended, we aren't sure what wardrobe to choose for the new season. It would be cool if we just grew and sprouted new wings like the butterfly, but it's just not that easy. I want us to look at the life of the Israelites as they were embarking on their freedom from being slaves in Egypt. In Exodus 6, verses 1 through 13, I will not read all of those to you today, but you can get your Bible and you, you should get it out after the episode and look it up. We see here God is promising action. He is reminding Moses of who he is and what his will is for the people. Notice the people aren't quite ready for change as you're reading this, uh, not even for the good news of freedom. In verse 9, you see them asking why. Why is all of this happening? And because of their discouragement, hopelessness, and cruel bondage, it was really kind of they're asking, they're crying out for help because they've become so hopeless. They couldn't see that this change as good. They truly couldn't even imagine things to be different for them. But God had a plan all along. He shared his plan with Moses back in Exodus 3 in verse 17, and he told him, I am leading you to a land flowing with milk and honey. There are three phases of transition we and the Israelites have to journey through. The first one is letting go of old ways and the old identity. That sometimes is hard and challenging. The second phase is going through an in-between time when the old is gone, but the new isn't fully operational yet. And then the last phase is coming out of the transition and beginning, making a new beginning. Transition is literally a process by which people unplug from an old world and plug into a new world. Transition begins with an ending, and it finishes with a beginning. I'll say that again. Transition begins with an ending, and it finishes with a beginning. Moses had no idea what kind of ending it would eventually take for God's plan to come to pass, for freedom to actually finally arrive. Moses would learn that transition must be managed. If you abort the transition phase, the change you are looking for will not come. And Moses knew that. We tend to think in generalities, but we actually live in the details. That's what makes transition difficult. It's all those pesky little details. Take, for example, moving. There's the discussion about the move. Where will we go? Can we sell our house? What do we do before we sell? All the prep work, prep, prep, prep. There's cleaning and cleaning and cleaning, and there's a listing on MLS usually. There are showings all days. There are multiple offers. Well, in this season especially, some are good, but which one do you take? Then there's the negotiation process. Then comes the packing for days on end, the never-ending packing, decisions of what to keep, what to let go, what to sell. 
In the last two years, we have sold our personal home, moved into an apartment with the intent on building our new home on our land, and then the inflation and the financial picture took a turn, so we had to pivot away from our original plans. Now we live in a rental home, which we will soon be purchasing, and we will just hang on to it until it's time for us to build on our land whenever some of this crazy financial thing turns, but it has been a lot of transition. So it's very interesting as we wait it out. It's not what we were expecting, but I'm sure on the other side, we will see the goodness of God and his hand every step of the way. So the Israelites were hearing that a promised land was awaiting them, but nothing happened immediately. They were still slaving away, making those bricks for their taskmasters. No wonder it was hard to believe what Moses was saying to them. Years ago, Tim and I heard a teaching by a minister that has since gone home to be with the Lord, but the teaching was called the Inlet of Transition. I will never forget it. An inlet is a place of convergence of two opposing forces, waves. Now, this is is interesting because now we live on the coast. At that time, we lived in the mountains when we first heard this, but this inlet is a place where tides come in and go out. It is an area of confrontation, and it can be quite dangerous. Even though the Israelites weren't looking for an actual inlet, they probably had seen over the hundreds of years in slavery what happened when someone actually tried to break free. The same thing happens in the inlet of transition when a vessel doesn't navigate through it well. Transitions must be navigated. They must be managed. In the practical, you can't just make a job change without putting into place some financial security to get you through the transition to a new career. There must be a plan in place and a way of navigating through. Seasoned sailors and shipmen, they know that inlets are dangerous. They don't seem so because you can still see the shore. The shore seems close by, but when a vessel capsizes, there are usually victims, and that is not fun. So often we think of our decisions, that our decisions determine our success, but that is not true. It's how we manage ourselves during the process that determines our success. Is the deep worth it? You bet it is. We have the vantage point of seeing the end of the Israelites' journey. It was definitely worth it. But when it's you or I, it's not so easy to see it. I'm sure when they were on year 27, marching around the wilderness, they had almost lost complete sight of the promised land. But it was still there waiting for them. When I began to study for this series, I had a hard time nailing down a focus. Why? Because everywhere I look, I see change, which requires transition. It's all around us. There's a really old song about a story in history when Cortez led his military to conquer Mexico in the spring of 1519. They knew their hearts would want to turn back to the old ways. So when they landed on the shore, he had them burn their ships. They set them on fire. This week, I want you to identify the area or the areas you are currently transitioning through. I want you to pray and ask the Lord if there's anything holding you back from from um, because of maybe despondency, maybe fear of the unknown. This time next year, you can look completely different if you choose to navigate through the inlet of transition. I want to pray for each of you before we move on to our tip of the day. 
Father God, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the promise of never leaving us. Thank you that through each transition and change in our lives, you are there. You are leading and guiding us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Help each of us today not to fret or worry about the times or our personal situations. We give them all to you. We trust and know that you are handling everything that concerns us, every detail. Thank you for your love and your kindness. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to leave you today with another tip of the day, and I have heard from many of you that you're enjoying these, so I'll just continue on until I've run out of tips. How's that? So today, I'm going to hit on a touchy subject, our phones. Here are some fascinating facts that I learned out about Americans and our smartphones. Most mobile users check their phones 63 times a day. Americans spend average screen times of 5.4 hours daily on our phones. 311 million smartphone users are currently in America. Social media is responsible for 2 hours and 24 minutes of that time daily. 13% of millennials spend 12 hours a day on their phones. Baby boomers spend five. Millennials spend 48 minutes just texting every day. Yikes. That is just wild to me. So from the evidence, it appears that we need to set some healthy boundaries around our screen. But how do we do that? It seems that we are also tied to them and we have every excuse under the sun. My favorite for women my age is, what if my kids need me? And that is a legitimate question. So I would suggest putting some boundaries up and then letting your family and your friends know what they are. That way, if they need you during that time, they will either wait or send the SOS if there's an emergency. So number one, here's your first one. Your first tip is put a time boundary on your phone. I do not use my phone past 8 p.m. or before 9 a.m. to text or communicate with others. It's just my way of guarding my private life and time and taking control of that back for me and my family. Number two, silence those text messages. Did you know that you can go into your settings and turn off your notifications from your text messaging and other apps? It is the best thing. Then when you don't want to be disturbed, you aren't. It's a great time saver. Number three, take a social media fast. Now, recently, I took a 21-day fast off of all social media, and honestly, it was glorious. After that, I'm considering keeping only one account open for social media. What I learned is, for me, it is nothing but a time waster, and I honestly don't have precious time to be wasted looking at other people's lives. I want to be busy living my own life. I hope that was helpful for you today. That's all I have, and I hope it gives you the courage to turn those screens off at least for a few minutes a day, at least for part of the day. As always, thank you for joining me today. I have loved every minute. I look forward to being with you again very soon. Go make your life awesome.